Today's sermon comes from Hebrews. I've been going through the book of Hebrews for a while now. Um, and today's uh, passage is from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. And we're going to read all the way to chapter 6, verse 12. And um, last week, the author of Hebrews talked about <coughs> the role of the high priest and how Jesus fulfills the role as our great high priest. Um, and, you know, he he is... Uh, the ultimate fulfillment, the perfect fulfillment of this role that is in the Old Testament of um, the high priest over the people of Israel. And so we talked about that last week. And now today the writer of Hebrew, <coughs> excuse me, he takes a break from um, talking about theology. So he's been talking about theology. So he's been comparing Jesus um, to angels and to Moses and to sacrifices and all these different things that he's been really like, um, doing this study of like a, a Christology study in a sense. He's been talking about the theology and, and how Jesus is greater than all these different things that are in the Old Testament. But um, he, he takes a break from this theology teaching and he addresses the audience directly in a sense. He, he talks to the audience, <clears throat> the people that he's writing um, this letter or this, um, this book to, and he gives them a wake-up call. It's like, he gives them a wake-up call and a serious warning, and then this uh, really hope-filled encouragement at the end. So that's what my sermon is going to be about. We're going to look at these things that um, the author of Hebrew kind of breaks into in the midst of talking about all this theology. And so I'll start reading from chapter 5, verse 11, and I'll read the ESV version. It says, About this we have much to say, and it's, it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though this time, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and, a and of faith towards God and of instructions about washing, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is, <clears throat> for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gifts and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing for God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not 
be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. And so <clears throat> upon this reading of Hebrews 5 and 6, uh, you get this sense of this, he's like, he's giving this wake-up call to the people that he's preaching to. He's, he's preaching to um, Jewish Christians that are, are on, the, on the verge of falling away from the faith. And he's telling them to wake up, right? You guys need to uh, do a strong assessment of yourself. Um, he gives them this warning uh, about falling away. And then he ends with this very uh, encouraging, hopeful um, exhortation to the people that he's speaking to. Um, and you know, in, in a way, when I uh, when I write my sermons, a lot of my analogies uh, come from me observing my kids. And there will be times where um, you know they're playing and and they make this huge mess in our house. And uh, Amina and I, we don't we want to make sure that they understand consequences, and so we make them clean it up. Right? You make the mess, you clean it up. And usually, seventy percent of the seventy or seventy five percent of the messes in our house are from the kids, right? And then Mina is about 20% because uh, she can be cluttered. She leaves things lying around. And then 10% is me, right? Um, and it's not because I'm this really clean person or this organized person, but um, I, I have what is called my diameter of clutter, right? And so it's like wherever I spend most of my time, that area is kind of messy, but I don't mess up the rest of the house. That's usually the kids. The kids always just like, you know, mess up the, the rest of the house. And so it's a lot of times it's me telling or nagging my kids to clean up. <clears throat> and most of the time, the kids will start cleaning. They'll start putting away toys, picking up trash, and doing whatever that they need to do. But usually, always, they'll get distracted um, by some toy that they're supposed to put away. And they'll stop cleaning, and they'll start playing. And they're just kind of like, you know, lost in thought and whatnot. And I always have to give them this, like, like wake-up call where, like, like I say, wake up, clean up, right? Put put your things away. <clears throat> you guys, you guys have to to get going with what you have to do. And this is what they offer. Just scare the <laughs> me, Ezra. You can't come here like that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and so, um, the the author of Hebrews is uh, doing this with their audience. These Jewish Christians that are, um, you know, they're very, they're going through persecution. They're going through uh, this struggle. Um, of maybe falling away and going back to Judaism, he gives them this wake-up call and he calls them out, and he and he says three things about um, things that they are lacking in their their walk with God. And the first thing that they say is that they're dull of hearing. Verse eleven, it says, "It's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing." And that word "dull" in the Greek means slow, sluggish, and lazy. Right? Um, lazy in their hearing, sluggish and distracted and apathetic in their hearing. And there are times when we get dull when it comes to the Word of God and we, us hearing the Word of God. You know, like Ethan and Ezra, there will be times where, um, you know, like I'll tell them, like, pick that up. There's like, there's a wrapper on the ground. It's clearly that they, um, they, you know, ate it and then uh, they, they left it on the ground. I said, I'll tell them, hey, Ethan, can you clean that up? And, um, and they just can't hear me. Right? Literally, I'll say, I'll say it over and over again. Ethan, can you pick that up? Ethan, can you? And, the, and it's not because they don't want to hear me. It's not because like they can't physically hear me. It's just that they're just distracted on something else. And I'll have to be like, I'll like, like, Ethan, pick up that wrapper, wrapper. And then you see them like kind of like like realize, oh, oh. And then and I have to tell them like you know four or five times, and they'll they'll finally pick it up and throw it away. And a lot of times we get distracted like that when. We're in our flesh, or we're lost in the concerns of this world. Um, we can't hear the Word of God. We can't hear the things that God is 
talking to us about, even um, when it's preached to us right in, into our face. And it's not an audible thing. It's not like we can't physically hear. It's not like we can't hear what God is, you know, like being spoken to us. It's a hard thing, right? It's a hard issue where our hearts are not right with God, in the right position with God. We're not facing God. It's just like the way that when I tell Ethan, can you do this? And then he just kind of ignores me. Right? It's just his, his mind and his everything else is set on something else. And, 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 and we become sluggish when it comes to hearing the word of God. We hear, we hear it, but we have no desire to apply it or no desire to bring into obedience uh, in the word of God in our, in our hearts and in our minds. And it, it'll usually like, we'll go through one year and we'll come out the other. And so the writer is saying this to his audience. He's like, wake up, right? You guys have become dull of hearing. You know, you guys are not able to hear the word of God that is being preached to you at, right now. And the next spiritual thing that the writer is pointing out is that it, they are way behind in their spiritual growth. In verse 12, it says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. And he's telling the audience that they ought to be leaders by now. You guys should be in a, in a, in a more better place in, in, in your leadership and in you, in the things of God. You should know more. You should, you should also be like, you know, reaching out to the people that are around you. And one way to look at this is, is in selfishness, right? They are receiving, they're taking, they're being fed the word of God, the things of God, but they're not taking their place as leaders to give it out to the people that God brings into their lives. It's consumer Christianity, right? And we see this in so many churches, people that attend church every Sunday, uh, but you just don't see just growth in their lives. Their faith is static because they don't want to be challenged in their faith. They just want to receive, take. And, and we see that in their faith it is, is not that where they should be. You know, they've been listening to the Word of God. They've been hearing and, they, and people have been sowing the Word of God into their hearts and into their lives, but it's just not taking fruit. And so the, 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 the kind of like this wake-up call that the writer of Hebrews is giving to his audience is like, hey, you guys, you guys are behind. You guys, you guys should be leaders by now. You guys should be digesting the Word of God and giving it out to the people in your lives. And the third thing that the writer points out about his audience is that they lack discernment, right? Verse 14, it says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. He's, he's saying, you guys are not learning the deeper things of God, right? And allowing God to uh, bring the spiritual growth that and, and the thing that comes along with it, which is discernment, right? Discernment, knowing and distinguishing between good and evil, knowing and distinguishing between what God wants and what God's word is for you and discerning what, what maybe the, what the world's like idea for you is, right? Discerning and understanding the heart of God. And he's saying that you guys lack, not you guys, but he's saying the audience, right, that he's preaching to um, are lacking in this area because they're not growing they're not maturing they're they're lack this they lack discernment the writer brings up this uh wake up call through this analogy of being fed milk right living off of milk instead of solid food right now you now we have like babies in our community like um logan not logan uh, lincoln <clears throat> and uh esther you know they're they're babies they're like you know less than one they're you know they're tiny and and babies 
uh, are ma mainly like they live off of milk, right? Whether it's like mommy's milk or it's formula, but you know what they need at that stage in their life is milk, right? They need to be fed this nutritious milk. Um, and, but it's a whole different thing where when they become like age two or age three and they're still only drinking milk as their diet, right? You'll realize that they're stunted, right? Now, I'm not saying that milk is bad, right? As a matter of fact, breast milk is the most nutritious food for a baby, right? Uh, it's the foundational diet that they need to have for them to grow up. And so the writer isn't saying that the basic principles of God are not important, right? Like the gospel and these foundational things that he talks about, right? But we don't just stay there, right? You don't pitch a tent and set up camp on the foundation and live life. We must build on top of our foundation. And so the author of Hebrews gives this exhortation, and it starts from chapter 6. It says, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, and of instructions about washing, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and internal judgment. Um, now, when I write my sermons, I usually start always with the ESV, the English Standard Version, because it's considered the most literal version of, 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 of translation of the Bible from the original Greek manuscript. But I also like to look at other versions um, because it helps me to kind of uh, understand what, some, what sometimes what the author is trying to get at. And there is one passage from this translation, um, and it's called the, um, the Passion Translation. You know, I just got a copy of it recently as a birthday birthday gift and it's, and I really like this passion translation of what the author is saying and he says uh, now now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection the foundation has already been laid for us to build on turning away from our dead works to embrace faith in God teaching about different baptisms impartation by the laying on of hands resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment so with God's enablement, we will move on to deeper truth. And so the writer isn't saying that these foundational principles of Christ are not important, but we need to build on top of them for us to be mature in Christ. We need to be uh, beyond what we were a year ago, right? Or maybe even two years ago or three years ago. We need more than just milk, right? We, we, we need solid food. Milk is great, right? Milk is very important, right? But... Um, a Wagyu steak is so good, right? Like a baby cannot like, like uh, truly appreciate uh, what a Wagyu steak, like Kobe beef, what it really tastes like, right? And sometimes we get stunted and we know God on a certain level, on this elementary level, but we fail to encounter God on the deeper levels where we learn how beautiful, how lovely, how amazing, how powerful, how good how truly loving our God truly is. We we can't appreciate God in those deep levels, right? Where we we we, we trust God in, in times of struggle. We trust God in times of, of difficulties and He's there with us and He He's there to you know we 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 tangibly are able to experience His goodness in our lives, right? We're never able to get to those deeper levels where we could truly taste of God and realize how good He is, right? Those deeper things, and 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 it's because a lot of times for people, they 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 fail to go deep with God, and so they're constantly only on this elementary relationship with God. 
this superficial, just on the top relationship. And we've all kind of been in that place before in our lives. When I was in in high school, I remember just going to church just because it was something that I I liked to do to meet my friends, right? And we would go and we'd hang out and I, you know, and I remember just not understanding, you know, like I, I just I knew I was a Christian, I believed I was a Christian, but I just never took that my faith to a level where I can appreciate and really enjoy God um, in the deeper in the deeper realms of where He actually is able to exist. Um, and so about this maturity, I have something to say about this maturity and, and about going deeper with God. And there are two folds to going deeper with God. Right? There are two aspects of going deeper with God. And number one is developing a life of learning about the things of God. And this is done through the Word of God. I can't stress enough how important the Word of God is for our spiritual growth. Um, if we are not in the Word of God, we will not hear from God. And that's just the honest truth. That's, that's the honest truth, right? I don't care how prophetic you think you are. I don't care how, like, you know, you might have the gift of prophecy. If you're not spending time in the Word of God, you can't hear from God, right? You might be able to hear a little bit here and there, but it's only through really devoting yourself in the Word of God that you're going to be able to hear the Word of God. You know, some people say, um, well, like, like I know people that, that come at me, like, they'll, they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm not all about this Bible head knowledge, right? You know, I'm not about, like, just knowing all of the Bible. I'm more about hearing God's still, small voice in my life, right? And then people like think that way. They think like, oh, I don't really need the Bible. I just need to hear God's still small voice in my life. No, well, that's all good. But if you're not in the Word of God, feeding from His Word, meditating on His Word, that still small voice in your heart and in your mind will most likely be your voice. It'll be your flesh. It'll be your desires. It'll be your your own thoughts, right? And so an aspect of spiritual maturity is having this desire to know more of God in His Word, right? His, His, His ultimate revelation to us is the Word of God. That's what the Word of God tells us, that it, he, it, the Word of God is God's ultimate revelation to us, right? It's our first and foundational revelation to us. And so in prayer and meditation, drawing near to Him through His Word, that's the first aspect of spiritual maturity. And when we draw near to God, it produces in us true worship, right? When, when the Word of God becomes truth in us, true worship is produced in us. Worship isn't necessarily something that we do, right? We do it, but it's actually produced in us. You know, you look at the life of David, and he wrote so many of the Psalms, and, and you know, he, just, he was just a worshiper, right? He's the tabernacle of David. He was so just excited about worshiping God. But why do you think that was? Why do you think David was somebody that was just all about worshiping God and comes from the first psalm, right? You know, it's just like, blessed is a man who does not walk in the, you know, the, the shadow of the wicked. Like, like he says, he says, his delight is in the law of the Lord and he on, on his law he meditates day and night. Right? That's what David wrote. And he's basically writing this about himself. He's like, he's, like, he's a man that is, is, he meditates on the law day and night and from that place of knowing and meditating and just just receiving the word of God he's able to produce God is able to produce in his heart this life of worship and so that's one that's the first aspect of truly just like um, um, understanding and, and being led into a place of spiritual maturity is 
is a desire, is living a life with a desire to draw near to God in His Word, right? learning uh, to to know about more about God and seeking to know more about God. There's a second aspect of this maturity, and it's this: it's also doing what the Word of God says. Right? James says in James one twenty two, he says, "Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says." Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks at. Um, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so there is this twofold aspect to our spiritual and our Christian maturity. Right. We have to know more about about God and go deeper with God in His Word and know Him, have a desire to know Him, but it also comes along with doing and obeying what the Word of God says. And for some Christians, they lack in one of these aspects. Right, One may know a lot, a whole lot about, about head knowledge about God and the Bible, and I've met a lot of people like this. Right, They know a lot about the Bible, they quote the Bible, they know this and that, and you know, they study the Bible in this way, but they don't do what it says, right? They're puffed up with pride, and the Bible says love, right? And, and they know the answer. They know that the answer is love. They just aren't able to walk in it, right? You know, so the, these are people that see God and, and the Word in the Bible and God's knowledge as something that is just academic in their brain. They know God intellectually, right? Or there's the other side of the coin in in. It, where people are all about just living right, right, obeying the commandments. They go to church. They give their tithe. They, they, they don't curse. They don't say bad words. They don't drink. They don't smoke. They pay their taxes. They don't cheat on their wives. They you know, and generally live an obedient life. But when it comes to going deeper with God, they just aren't able to go there. They don't have a desire to go deeper with God. You know, they can live their whole life going to church, but only have the superficial understanding of God of like not doing bad things. And, I, and I've, been, I've been like that in my life. I've been that, in a sense, kind of like that religious, pharisaic mind where just as long as I don't do bad things, I'm all good with God. But I never got to this place where I truly was able to know God, where I was able to go deeper with God. Right? It's kind of like what, God, what Jesus talks about in the book of Revelations, about the, the lukewarm church and how he says, you know, you know like, I'd rather have you be hot or cold, but not lukewarm, because if it's lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Right? And so there's these kind of two kind of ways of, that people miss the mark when it comes to spiritual maturity. And, and both of these Christians are both very good at being mature in their religion, but not mature in Christ. Because true maturity in Christ Jesus means going deeper with God in His Word, in your relationship with Him, knowing Him, truly knowing Him, drawing near to Him, but it also requires you obeying the Word of God and doing what the Word of God says. Right? There are these two aspects of going deeper into his maturity. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is telling his audience. Right? Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Right? The Passion Translation is, Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection. Right? You know, spiritual maturity, sanctification, transformation is a path that God places before us all. God is not about you know behavior modification. God doesn't want to modify your behavior. 
He also doesn't want you to just have know him intellectually. Like I know Abraham Lincoln. I, I know that you know he was a president of the United States. You know he had a top hat and a beard. He was really tall. I, he was president during the so like I know him academically. But I don't know him right in the same way. Right, he wants us to know him, and he wants us to have a life that knows him and obeys him. And this is the path that God lays out for all of the one, all of his people that follow him. But there are people in the church. And they continually just remain in this superficial level with God. They've been going to church for decades, but they're still at the same level of maturity. They're, you look at them like, you know, 10, 10 years from now, they're still at the same level of maturity. And for people like them, the writer gives this really serious warning. Right? And, and this is a warning that the, the, the writer is giving to the people that, are, that either have fallen away or are on the verge of falling away. And, and it starts from chapter 6, verse 4. It says, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, and the power of the age to come, and then have fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm, and holding Him up to contempt. Contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burnt. For it is impossible to restore them again to repentance. So you guys have to understand, this is a serious warning that the writer of Hebrews is giving out to his audience. Who are these people that have fallen away from their faith? The writer describes them as having been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gifts, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come. Right? And then, however, after experiencing all of these benefits, they decide that they don't want anything to do with Jesus or His church or His community any longer. Right? This is a warning that He's giving to, to these people. Now this passage is a point of controversy um, for Calvinists and Arminians. And I'm just I'm not going to go too much into this because we can be here for days talking about this. this argument still has not been solved. It still has not been you know like reconciled. Um, Calvinists hold to the doctrine of perseverance of the saints or eternal security. They believe that once someone is truly saved, the elect. Um, and the regenerated through the power of the Holy Spirit, there is no way for them to lose their salvation. So Calvinists would view the Christians that fall away in this passage as ones that were never truly saved to begin with. Right? They would say, like, oh, ultimately their their salvation or or their confession of faith was not was not real. They truly didn't understand um, the you know the gospel of Jesus Christ for them to be saved. On the other hand, Arminian theology holds to the idea that one can actually give up their own salvation. And this is one of the passages that they point to. Um, so Reformed theology would be Calvinistic in nature, and denominations, especially like the Pentecostal denomination, you guys have heard of Pentecostal um, you know, Christians, uh, would be more Arminian in nature. And you know, I don't believe that this is like a, you know, it's an important thing to, you know, difference but ultimately i believe pentecostal christians go to heaven and are you know like calvinist 
Christians, they all go to heaven. I believe that at the center of their salvation is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and and, and you know they, they you know it's we're, we're, it's not that big of a difference. Um, you know, for me personally, I lean more towards the Calvinistic you know thought, um, but I'm I'm not like this hard you know staunch five point Calvinist, and I don't believe you know I I believe there's you know we don't really fully know we don't fully understand and i'm still in the in, in the process of trying to figure it out but whether you're a calvinist or whether you're an, Ar an arminian there is a serious warning that goes out to the readers basically what the writer is talking about is that living on this superficial level with god you know not living your life on a path to spiritual maturity in christ jesus wanting to draw closer to god uh, when you're in this superficial level, you can end up either someone that falls away from the faith and give up their salvation, or you were never a believer to begin with. You may not actually know the foundational precepts of the gospel of Jesus Christ. and may not actually be saved. And this is a scary warning. This is a scary thought. Because I've known many people in my life that I thought were Christians, and all of a sudden, you know, like they're just like oh, I don't think I believe that anymore. Right? My my sister's kind of one of them. My sister was this, you know, this this person that you know I used to look up to. She was a part of the church. She used to do all these retreats and all this stuff, and she used to be, you know, like lead Bible study. And then she went to college, and she just came back a, just a radical liberal, and 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 she doesn't really go to church, and she doesn't really raise her her kids in the church, and and so for me this this is a scary thought, right? You know, either she's given up her salvation, as the Arminians would say, or she was never a believer to begin with. Right? And this is a scary warning. This is this is like Matthew 7, 23, where Jesus, he talks about these people that come up to him and they'll be saying like, you know, Lord, Lord, you know, like, you know, I did all of these things in your name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, right? This should be a sobering warning to us all. And this is the warning that the writer is saying to wake up the church. He's saying, come on, let's go. Right? Let's go. Let's go beyond the basics here. Right? I love what the message translation, I know the message translation is a paraphrase, and I don't really like base my sermons on it, but I, love, I really love what the message translation says about this verse. It says, so come on, verse 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 1, it says, so come on, let's leave the preschool finger-painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. In the same way, saying, let's get past like just the basics here and let's move on to maturity. Let's go deeper in our relationship and in our understanding of God. Let's take our faith seriously. Because this warning that he gives us is very serious. Because if we truly believe what the Bible says, right, that as we draw closer to the return of Christ, and to the end times, there will be times where it will be very difficult for us to be Christians. Right? There will be persecution. We will, we will be challenged in our faith. And let me tell you, this is happening to Christians all around the world all the time. We live in a society that is very sheltered. Right? We have religious freedom. Right? We're, we're, we're not challenged in our faith. Right? Like the biggest challenge that we have is the pandemic and whether we can, you know, meet together or, or we do it over Zoom, right? It's not, you know, like, but there's people in Afghanistan that are, that are being persecuted, right? If they have a Bible, you know, like they could be killed. These are, this is the stuff that's happening all the time. And, and, and although we may live in this sheltered, you know, society, that doesn't mean that it will remain this way forever, right? 
And we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. It's like the parable of the ten virgins. You know, there will be a time, you know, where, where Jesus comes back and there, we're not going to have time, but there's not going to be an opportunity for us to go and fetch oil, right? You know, like the half the, the, the brides, they have the oil, other half they don't. And they're like, oh, let me get some, let me borrow some. And they're like, no, there's not enough. And there's not enough time. We have to be preparing now. We have to be going beyond just the basics. Right? The basics are important, but we have to still build on the basics. We have to build on the foundation. And, and this is what the author is exhorting and, 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 and really warning these believers about. Right? You know, let's not remain in that place of just thinking about God in this basic term. Now, the author doesn't end with this warning alone. Um, but he expresses the heart of Christ in that although he gives us this very serious warning and a wake-up call, um, he ends with a powerful and hope-filled encouragement. And it starts from verse 9. It says, Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust, so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope in the end, until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Right? Although the writer, writer kind of give, breaks in, in the, in the midst of this theology, he kind of breaks in with his warning and his wake-up call. He gives this encouragement of hope. Because he sees fruit in the lives of these saints. Right? He sees them serving and loving one another. He sees an assurance of hope in their lives and in their attitude towards God. He sees maturity. Right? So it's not just a rebuke and a warning, but it's a rebuke and, and a warning uh, that comes along with encouragement and exhortation. And isn't that the heart of Christ? Right? Car you know, Jesus, you know, he... he, he he, he warns us, you know, he tells us to repent, but he also comes to us with grace and salvation. And and that's what I want to leave you with today. You know, New Philly Buzan. I see fruit in your lives. One of the what the blessings of being part of a small church, um, you know, is being able to know all of you guys on, on a personal level pretty well. Right? I think most of you guys have been to our house and you guys, we've you know shared time and conversation. If you're in a mega church, you know, and I was a pastor of a mega church, I wouldn't know all of you guys, right? And I, but one of the the blessings that I have is that I'm able to kind of you know know you guys in your life, and I and I I want to say that I see fruit in your lives. I see God working in your lives. I see the Holy Spirit challenging you, and and you growing spiritually in your in your lives. And I want to leave you with that encouragement. And yet, I also want to leave you with the warning and the wake-up call for us to go deeper with God, to move towards maturity, draw near to God because He will draw near to you. Go deeper in the Word of God. You know, let's, let's learn to be doers of the Word of God and not just hearers. Let's allow our faith to be integrated in every aspect of our lives, not just at church, but with our family and friends in our workplace, with our co-workers, with our bosses, even with the strangers that we see on the street. Let's learn to be mature in our obedience. And and today, I want to leave you with one final word, right? One final word, and that word is intentionality. And I want you guys, if you guys are taking notes, to write that down, intentionality. 
If you truly, if you truly want to mature in Christ Jesus, be intentional with Him. One of the keystones to a healthy marriage is intentionality. And this is what I've learned. I've been married for 10 years now. And I've learned that what, one of the most, one of the most important things in your relationship with your spouse is to be intentional with each other. And I, I need to be better at it. And I need to grow in this. And it's the same with Jesus. You know, be intentional in worship. Be intentional in prayer. Be intentional in being in His Word and in His presence. You know, this is the area of discipline that we can all be better at, especially me. Because the more intentional you are with God, the more you will be open, the more you will open up yourself to His leading and to His transformation and to His sanctification. And the more that you will receive from Him. It's like therapy. I don't know if many of you guys have ever gone through therapy, but, you know, you will, you will not get much out of therapy if you're forced into it. Right? Some people are, like, forced into mandatory therapy because you know, at their work or whatnot. And you don't get much out of it, right? Because you, you have no say in it. But when you are intentional, right, about therapy... It's coming from a place where you realize, hey, I need therapy. I, I, I need this. I need, I need some healing in this area of my life, right? And, and you'll get so much out of it if you are intentional about it. You know, you're putting, you're investing your money. You're investing your time. Right? And it's because you're intentionally, you know, committing, submitting into um, this therapy. Well, intentionality with God comes from that place where you realize I need more of God. And, and it's, it's learning to intentionally go to Him. And, and let me tell you, you will be rewarded when you are intentional with God. God will take you to depths where you will truly taste and see that the Lord is good. When you are able to go to God intentionally, it's not, you don't go because you think you should or you think you have to or, you know, because you're a Christian. But you, you, you become intentional and we're like, you know what, I need more of God. Like, like, I feel far from God. And I have to take these intentional steps to draw near to Him. God loves that, right? God is waiting for that. Right? That's one of the things that Jesus is knocking at the door. Well, he's knocking and He's saying, hey, come on, be intentional with me. Right? You know, like, like, seek me out. And, and, and it's a true sign of maturity. And brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you today, but it's also encouragement to myself as well. For us to be intentional with God, for us to really to go deeper with Him, so that we can move forward in maturity. And you know, today at the end of the service, I'm gonna give you guys an opportunity. If you guys want to break off, and if you guys have to go, you guys have to go. But for any of you guys, I want to kind of hang around and kind of talk about um, the sermon and have some questions for you guys. One of the things I want you guys to do is make an assessment. I, I, I'll give out these questions, but for you guys to really take an assessment of how you've grown in the past year or two. Look back, you know, look back and see, you know, like some of the ways that God has changed you in your faith, in your walk, in your prayer life, whatever it is, and see how you have moved forward in maturity, right? And, and, and also, like, kind of think, like, what areas in my life can I be more intentional with God about? How can, how can I be much more mature in this area? How can I move forward you know, get past the basics and move forward and build upon the foundation that I have in Christ Jesus. And, and for us to really move into that place where we see God differently, we, not just as a ticket to heaven. So many you know, youth camps 
present the gospel in this way. And it's not bad, right? It's, we, have, we all want to get to heaven, right? But if that's where you're at, when you're 30, when you're 40, when you're 50, something's wrong. Right? That's, that's the way that I used to think when I was in high school and when I was in junior high and I'd go to a church camp and it's like, oh, I don't want to go to hell. So I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ. He's my ticket to heaven. The Holy Spirit is my ticket to heaven. Right? But if that's, that's, if that's the only thing that has me in the church, something is wrong. We're just, we're just feeding on milk. We're not, we're not getting the solid food that, that we need to grow and mature in Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage you guys today. You know, spend some time reflecting and thinking and ask God how, how you can be intentional with Him. I want to close our time right now in prayer. And I want to give you guys an opportunity to um, break off late after the, the, we close. And if you guys would like to stay on and, and get into smaller groups um, and pray for each other, I'll give you guys um, the opportunity to do that. But right now, I'll close us in prayer and I'll close us in the benediction. Father God, we just thank you that, um, Lord, you are patient with us. And we thank you that you are gracious with us. We thank you that you are for us and not against us. And God, as we continue our walk with you, we pray for each and every one of us that we will be intentional in, in our seeking out of you. Help us to seek you intentionally. Help us to get past just the basics of Christianity, the basics of the gospel, the basics of understanding you. But Lord, take us deeper. Take us deeper where we we bring you into our struggles. We bring you into our pains. We bring you into the depths of where you want us to go. And as we find you, we pray that you will change us, transform us, and help us to 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 really enjoy how good you are, to taste how good you are, and 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 be filled with the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the love and the amazingness of what Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is to us. Amen.